Hey, what's up? Lightbolt Joe here. Today we are going to continue on with our jobs conversations. Well, stories rather. It's been a bit. Um, so I realized in the course of the last time that we had spoken that I completely forgot that I was a UPS uh, helper, like a delivery driver's helper for Christmas 2008. Completely forgot about that. Um, had a grand old time. I had this crazy driver. His name is Rob. Uh, he and I for three months would just, you know, roll around Massapequa. That's where his route was and go to offices and residentials and we'd get tips and I would fall on my ass on ice all the time. It was a grand old time. And we, we were friends for quite some time actually after that. And then he <laughs> became a re re Trumplican. Uh, so then that ended that, but it was, it was good memories. He would just sing constantly. He was just cracked out of his mind and he it was just such a grand time just laughing through the misery of the cold and the sleet and the snow um delivering macbooks to these you know wealthy people it was it was an experience okay so moving back to our standardized patient stories one story involved let's see let's see let's see i was doing some ultrasounds and i was laying on the table and i had a student like on the left side of my body with the probe and she was so mad because she couldn't find my liver and she's like where's the liver like i'm putting it through the rib cage and like i'm not seeing anything and like i'm not allowed to say anything i'm not allowed to tell her you know where to actually maneuver the probe obviously she failed that course because your liver is on the right side of your body so the liver is on the right side of your body this girl was looking in spleen territory spleen is on the left side of the body livers on the right side of the body she's looking at morrison's pouch on the right side of the body versus the left side because the left side ain't got no liver the right side's got a liver i i was trying so hard not to laugh because she was like i don't know she's like my 40th i was gonna say customer she was like my 40th like patient of the day that damn that it's gotta be a moped that loud obnoxious thing that's clearly unlicensed c'est la vie so that was that was a fun time because i couldn't say anything and i had a failure anyway but like she was just mad she was just so mad that she couldn't find it but i had a good laugh another time let's see hmm i had a cool case at uh stony brook where i had to play this you know suicidal kid i was i was admitted to a psych ward and like i was threatening to kill myself because my girlfriend broke up with me something like that you know something juvenile like like that and you know what a teenager would be threatening to kill themselves over um so there was like I, I a lot of students like there was like 40 something students i had to see that day and one in the middle really got my attention i was wearing vans i was in a, like a hoodie i had the hoodie pulled over my head like i'm leaning forward in my chair i want nothing to do nobody talk to me just leave me alone right and this guy literally sits on the floor and looks up at me so it's a it's a different in power dynamic because when you're looking down at someone you're presenting authority that's just how that's how mentality works so that's why taller people tend to have more power um within politics or you know corporations things like that it's just it's just how it is unfortunately so this man literally sat on the floor cross-legged and he looks at my vans and he says i like your vans i have a pair of those at, at home actually and i was like thanks and he's like do you skate and i was like yes and he is like oh okay and then we're just talking about skating and eventually he gets into the whole so i know that you're here because you threatened to hurt yourself um do you want to talk about it my line is no and then he said something with like oh you know don't worry about it i totally understand um i was there myself 
but I just want you to know that it's going to be all right. You're going to be okay. And and I I looked at him because this is not what I trained for. When you train for these things, like you're you're trained for like certain sayings or like somebody says one thing you have a line to say not once in any of the training did, was it brought up what if the student says it's going to be okay i've been there before i understand like it was never brought up so i, I was caught deer in the headlights and i was like oh th- thank you i uh, i appreciate that and then i realized in the midst of watching it back because like i brought it up to my my instructors and like we were all amazed at how amazing this guy did you know to elicit information out of me because there was a gun involved or something like that and i had a knife by the time the police came i don't know it, it was a it was a intricate backstory as to why this particular character i was playing was brought into the the uh emergency room you know two in the morning so um we were to- me and the instructors um and some of the other uh standardized patients actually who were watching were, were watching it and i was like honestly I, he caught me off guard like i didn't expect that and I honestly felt that he genuinely meant for my own well-being that everything was going to be okay. I was going through a lot of stress and anxiety stuff, as I always do. But it was very high at that particular moment. Um, so I kind of felt like he was talking to me, Joe, not Josh, the patient. It was very interesting. It was I will never forget that. Never, ever, ever forget that. Um, another story... There was a newborn case. So this was at Hofstra. I was the father. I'm the father of a brand new newborn. She was just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, but I know the character knows that it's it's a disease and there's no cure for it. Um, but then he's freaking out thinking that he did something wrong. So the nurses are trying to like calm me down, me as the new dad. And like, I put my own little spin on it and I added some stuff. So like, I'm supposed to, I I was directed to like get upset, like not like crying hysterically, but like, you know, visibly upset and changing my voice and holding my, my breath back a bit and you know, stuff like that. So I, uh, I put a spin on it and I said, you know, it's, it's, it's just my fault that I do something, you know, did I do something? And the nurses were trying to reassure me, you know, no, you didn't do anything wrong. And I was like, listen, like, I, I, I'm a single dad at this point. You know, her, her mom just passed away recently and, and I, I, I don't know how to raise her by myself. And I don't know, you know, can she go to prom? And like, just I once I pulled the dead mother card, which wasn't actually in the script, but I pulled it anyway. Those nurses got so upset. Because here I am in tears, and there they are in tears, and nobody expected anybody to be in full tears. So by the time that, you know, the voice of God, the guy in the control room was like, simulation has ended, you know, end of, end of, end of what? End of case? End of situation? I don't know. Whatever the hell he said. We all go back into the debriefing room, we're talking, and the nurses are still crying. They're like, I know that that wasn't real, but when you said that your wife had just died, I lost it. And the instructors were crying and the nurses were crying. And here I am smiling with a big grin on my face. And I said, well, thank you very much. Um, I'm glad that I convinced you that my wife was dead. And I'm very concerned for the well-being of my brand new newborn who has type 1 diabetes. Um, so it was another cool pat on the back that I made nurses cry. Um with pulling a dead wife card so that was that was pretty cool uh from an acting point of view right that i'm so convincing that i can convince someone that i have a dead wife and i am worried about raising our daughter by myself at such a young age i think it was like 22 or something like that uh, playing the character in real life i was like 24 25 i don't know one of those numbers um what else what else 
I've worked with like props and stuff, like stethoscopes or whatever, but like it's mainly like the 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 doctors, the nurses, the, the medical students, they're all like, you know, using the stethoscopes on me to make sure my heart sounds all right. You know, I I've, was doing an ultrasound case once. I was a, a teacher's assistant for this one particular doctor who was a genius. I miss her so much. I forget her name, but I miss her so much. She worked at Stony Brook, but she always requested me to do the ultrasound cases because like my insides were perfect. <laughs> I was like, okay, minus my tiny little um, regurge. I think it was like AFib regurge or, or something like that. Something with my heart that blood goes a little bit back into a pump when it's supposed to go out. But it's like so minuscule and like a lot of people have it. So she honestly wasn't that concerned. But like she pointed it out all the time because like you could like color code blood flow on certain things. So that was pretty cool. Um, that was fun. I already talked about that story about uh, my buddy Mike who um, back in the day who he and I were working on a case and those two idiots um, didn't invite him golfing. Like we talked about that during that uh, depression conversation. So that was actually at Stony Brook. But Mike and I had so much fun together. We, we would, there was like a, like a hangout room for the medical students that we got to actually hang out in. There was like video games and like a pool table and uh, no foosball table. And there was uh what the hell's in it? Ping pong. Um, there were Nerf guns. He and I wore sombreros one day, just shooting Nerf guns at each other. It was so much fun. I, I miss it so much. And I miss Mike. I really miss Mike. There was a phone call case at Stony Brook once. That was pretty fun. Where it was just, you know, I was playing a dad and my, my kid was sick. He had like the flu. So I was like answering questions for my dad, for the kid. Um, so that was fun. Because it was just via phone call. So it was me in a room with a phone and the students in another room reading a direction, you know, saying, call this phone number, talk to the, this dad about his sick kid, things like that. Um, I don't know, man. I like I hung out a lot with these people, like a lot with these people at, at both schools, at, at Hofstra and Stony Brook. I had so much fun. Like I had so much fun walking around the campuses. Like I never went to college. I have a, I, I strongly am opposed to paying for an education. Um, knowledge should not be charged. Your knowledge, your quest for knowledge, your sense of quizzicality should not be charged. I refuse to pay money to learn. Absolutely refuse it. Um, I, do, I do not believe in that. It's it's a disgusting system we have, and it's just, it's awful. I hate it. Uh, but I did enjoy being a college student for the six years that I was doing the standardized patient stuff, so that was fun. So I left Hofstra in 2014, I want to say. No, 2015, because I started as a merchandiser at this company called Big Geyser, which is an absolute shit show and a complete joke. Um, and a merchandiser is a glorified stock boy. But I was also balancing uh, Stony Brook at the same time. And Hofstra didn't want me to be there anymore because I couldn't commit my entire life to their program uh, via Northwell's clinical skills, clinical innovation skills or something like that. Um so the director and I had a big fight about it because like other people have varied schedules, but she didn't like that my schedule was about to be varied. So she just fired me and I flipped the shit on her. Um, so that was, that was a good, good time. Such a good time. Um, because Stony Brook literally wanted to keep me on and that director was perfectly fine with it because she knows varied schedules because every actor has a varied schedule. That fucking bitch at uh, the clinical skills center at, at North, North shore. Ugh, hate her. So, Going into um, the merchandiser stuff and then mixing it with the 
standardized patient stuff, it was a balance. You know, I had to balance it, but like merchandiser stuff was absolute shit. Like I got kind of conned into doing it because like I love Monster Energy and like they were a distributor of Monster and they're like, yeah, like you'll put the displays out and you'll do all this stuff for Monster. But then like they didn't tell me that I have to wait for delivery trucks in the back of these supermarkets or Targets or Walmarts and wait and have to fight with all of these vendors to get space for pallets and all this shit that no one trained me on. No one did anything. They're just like, here you go. Put the shit on the shelf. Take pictures of it. Get on your way. It was so terrible. I fought with so many managers at that company and then at the stores because like no one would listen to each other to like move this here to put that there. Like all this Tetris stuff and floor planning was just thrown out the window because everyone's an alpha male and a fucking idiot at that. Um, so at one point I, I was emailing like the, my boss and like my managers, like asking them for help or a suggestion. They took me off of a project to like set up a monster display. So I freaked the freak out on them for that because like they told me I would, but I was specifically not put on this project. Stupid fucking people. And then at one point, like I was having an issue at this like supermarket, uh, or grocery store it was called King Con. I don't think it exists anymore in Levittown, but this manager was an asshole and he like kept making he he told me that the only way I could put up a certain product that the company was a part of um, is if I moved all the Poland spring bottles. And I was like, I am not responsible for the Poland spring bottles, but he wouldn't let me move the product. And therefore, my boss from Big Geyser would blame me for the product not being on the shelves because I didn't move the Poland spring product. But the Poland spring product's not my product. It was just a fucking it was a fucking nightmare. So I emailed my boss. Nothing. I finally I finally sent more emails, but I just cursed the entire time. And I was like, this is fucking unbelievable. No one will answer my fucking emails. Why is no one answering the goddamn phone when I call them? Maybe someone will finally answer my fucking email because I'm saying fuck you all the time. And then someone finally called me two minutes after I sent it to say that I was fired and that someone was coming to collect my company phone. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I have been asking for help for God only knows how many months and no one fucking helps. And that's it. That's how this is. Great. And I handed in my phone, burned my shirt. <laughs> it was a good burning ceremony. Done. Done with that useless fucking piece of shit company. And then I went to start in retail. So we'll get into the beginning of retail stories, which started in 2015 um, and are still lasting all of this time. But again, I was still floating in between acting and I was still floating in between um, standardized patient stuff. We were filming. My family did a, a spot on AMC's. Uh, Talking Dead, which was so much fun, and I I'm so happy and grateful that I got to be a part of that, and I'm I'm still family friends with the with the producer that that casted me. Um, we'll talk about that next session. We'll talk about Talking Dead and how much fun that actually was. That where I got to be myself and I got to film in my own house, and and my family and I got to film in our own house, and it was just such a great great experience. Well, we'll talk about that next, and then we'll get into my time at Halloween City, which was starting in August 2018. No, 2015. God, I loved I loved that store. It was so much fun. Halloween is the best. Okay, till next time. Mucho mahalo.